Welcome to the Greater Possibilities Podcast from Invesco, where we put concerns into context and the opportunities into focus. I'm Brian Levitt. And I'm Jody Phillips. So Brian, I have questions about a lot of different topics today, so I didn't bother booking a guest. I didn't want to uh I didn't want to subject them to my uh stream of consciousness. Uh so you're in the hot seat. I am in the hot seat. I yeah. I like being in the hot seat. I just want to know where you want to start. I have some sense of the things you want to ask, but I'm wondering where you want to start with all of this. Okay, short list. Interest rates. Okay. Central bank policy. Makes sense. Government shutdown fears. Sure. Worker strikes. Yeah. That's all. Do you want more? Well, we'll see. Let's see the runtime. It seems like a good <laughs> list. So <laughs> let's see well, how this how long this goes. That's enough to start with. Okay. So then without further ado, let's start with interest rates. Have you been surprised by the rise in interest rates in August and September? Yeah, I've I've always promised to be honest with the with the listener. So yeah, I have been. And you know, why have I been so surprised? Mostly because, Jody, as we know, inflation peaked over a year ago. So mm-hmm. we see inflation peak in June 2022 at 9% with rates at, you know, 10-year rate at four and a quarter. I would have thought that that was the move. Um, mm-hmm. Interestingly, though, the move in rates has not been driven by inflation expectations. Inflation expectations are very well anchored. It's been a sharp move higher in what we call real yields, and that is the result of U.S. economic strength. Now, I just I just simply underestimated how strong the economy would be by the second half of 2023. I mean, you know, I, we figured that things would not be as robust as they are right now, and yet people continue to shop. Okay, so so it's not about the political turmoil. The high rates has been about the strong growth. Yeah, I don't think it's about the political turmoil. I mean, we could talk about that in a bit, but that doesn't seem to be what's caused rates to jump. We've had political turmoil before. I mean, this has just been a strong economy. Sure. And look, you're far from the only one who kind of underestimated the strength of the U.S. economy. So you know, lots of economists are all offering their uh, mea culpas on their yeah, a lot of mea culpas. <laughs> yes, for sure. So, why? What? What do you think folks got wrong? Well, maybe it might just be timing, right? Timing. So, you know, yeah, the expectation was that we got a lot of tightening and uh, we would have had a recession by now. But, but, but maybe you know, maybe it's just more timing than anything else. All right. The lagged effects that I keep hearing so much about. I mean, 550 basis points in a short period of time. Yeah, that that's a lot to digest. Yeah, it is. Uh, and maybe it's just taking longer to work its way through the system than it usually does. For sure. Well, whatever the case, I'm definitely glad I have a fixed rate mortgage. Right. So that that's exactly what I'm talking about. So it's it's been like negligible to a lot of people, at least to this point. I mean, why does it matter if rates went from zero to 550 basis points um, if 80% of us have fixed rate mortgages, whether that's most of us 30, some 15 year mortgages, mm-hmm. but fixed. And you think about it from the chief financial officers of businesses, they were also paying attention. I mean, they they locked in low rates when they could. So, you know, it's just not hitting, all these rate hikes are just not hitting the economy as soon as we would have expected. Okay. Well, I mean, that's all well and good, but ultimately it's going to start to weigh on the economy, right? Well, that, that's the idea. I mean, the Federal Reserve wants uh, things to slow down. 
they don't want to see um, the job market remain so strong. There'd be a dearth of workers, wages to go up. Um, so that's the idea here. And you, know, you can look back at other cycles, which always does provide us some comfort. I, I looked at 1988 before the you know, the the early 90s recession, 94, 99, um, rates rose either before a recession emerged or or the Federal Reserve had to back off its tightening stance. So, you know, this feels pretty similar to that. The last leg up in growth, the last leg up in rates. Uh, and, you know, then people extrapolate that to be forever, but unlikely to be the case, rates will ultimately start to moderate, in my opinion, as the economy moderates. Okay, so so you're not in the the high for long camp. High for long, no. For um, long. I've been joking that that sounds like it should be a Grateful Dead song. No, <laughs> <laughs> I am not in the high for long camp. Um, rates will be higher than they were in the last cycle. Like, let's be honest. I think some people sometimes when I say I'm not in the high for long camp, people think I mean they're going back to zero or two percent. Mm. No, that's not what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. So not not likely to go back to a negative real yield after inflation then? No. And I think that that's probably a good thing. But but importantly, um, I expect to be rates to be at or nearing a peak as the economy is likely to moderate going forward. Now, some might hear that and say, oh, he's calling for slow growth or, or maybe even a, a, a recession. Um, but I'm in the camp that Peak rates, peak tightening, all tends to be quite good for markets over the over the subsequent years. Okay. All right. Then that brings us to the next topic, Federal Reserve. Uh, will they, won't they? And, and Brian, do we care anymore? Yeah, I, unfortunately, Jody, I think we care. Okay. All right. Fine. We care. <laughs> you know you care. I care very much. Yes. Yeah, so tell me, what do you expect? The thing is, like, so people have been asking me why this year was so much better than last year. Now, it hasn't felt like that over the last couple of months, but but why has this year been better? And it's mostly because we've been thing we've been moving towards more policy clarity. Like markets don't like uncertainty. And last year we had so much policy uncertainty because inflation was so high. Just how many times were they going to have to raise interest rates? And and now we're still debating it. Obviously, you just mm -hmm. asked. We're, we're still debating it, but man, we're, we've got to think we're getting closer. Okay, but but the past few weeks, I mean, that's been the opposite of clarity, right? So so you're saying we're we're closer than we were last year? Yeah, it's like it's like those kids in the station wagon. You ever go on that road? I know you go on the road trip. You take out the Winnebago, right? You go across this. <laughs> The yeah, great divide, done that a right? Times, yes, you have, yes. and um, you know the kids are always. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, and then you know I don't know about yours, but mine say, are we getting closer? And <laughs> we're raising so geniuses, so yeah, <laughs> I mean we we think we're getting closer. Well, we're driving an awful long time, so we're closer unless we make a wrong turn. Okay, right. so so let's just hope the Fed isn't navigating by a crumpled up map in the glove compartment. <laughs> yeah, they're using their GPS. Um, <laughs> You know, as I said, Jody, uh, inflation expectations are generally contained. Um, and so they have restored credibility, which which is great. Um, but at the same time, I do worry about them over tightening. I mean, I look at inflation expectations and say, 
well, why keep going? We're pretty contained here. Why don't we see what this has all will ultimately do? Um, so I do worry about them over tightening, but the reality is they don't answer my phone calls. They don't. No, they don't answer. I mean, most people don't. So well, I uh, do. I answer you your do. phone calls. You do, but be honest, you have to because of your job description, right? Yeah, I couldn't negotiate that out. <laughs> um, all right. So uh so why? Why why are you worried about over tightening? Well, think about it this way. Um, you know, the Fed famously tells us that they're data dependent. Right. right. So they're looking each month at the data, but we know that policy operates with a lag. Mm-hmm. All right. So that by definition leads to over tightening. Right. I mean, if you're if the challenges don't hit a few months out, data dependence not really going to have you <laughs> recognizing that. And so, yeah, it, it, most of these things end, most of the Fed tightening cycles end in recession or or some type of challenge. So I do fear that they're over tightening, which is largely takes us back to our first conversation, which was, you know, asking have rates peaked. I mean, it, at some point they they tighten too much, growth slows and 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 rates start to come down. Okay. So after over tightening comes easing. Usually. Right? So so the futures market, right? I mean, what's that telling us? The Fed funds rate will be about five and a half percent, uh, four and a half percent uh, yeah, a year yeah, from yeah. now. So, so that's, <laughs> yeah, let's get that right. Four and a half percent a year from now. So that suggests we'll get a few cuts between now and then, right? Yeah. I mean, although after that September jobs report, five and a half percent might have felt. <laughs> right, right. No, that's not... And that's what, that's what scared the market initially after that jobs report. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. I mean, Jody, it, the futures market had suggested rates as low as 4% at one point a year from now. So the market's had to reassess recently. So if the market's pricing 4% at one point and now things have still been strong and okay, a year from now we're pricing four and a half, well, equity markets, risk assets adjust. Now this is all very nuanced and very short term. To me, the most important point, I'll say it again, is that we're getting close peak mm -hmm. rates. And okay. again, historically, that's a good backdrop for risk assets. A good backdrop. Okay, that's good to hear. So let, let's stop there with the good backdrop and uh, jump from the Fed to Congress. So uh, have you tried putting in any calls to those folks lately? Are they, maybe they should be answering your calls. And Talk about people who really don't answer my phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> so so we averted a government shutdown, okay? But it, but it cost the Speaker of the House his job. So uh, would you call that a good trade-off? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's a hot I'm, seat, Brian. It's a hot seat. <laughs> my mom told me not to discuss politics. In mixed All right. Company. Fair enough. You know, we don't I'm make not sure mad. if I'm the right person to answer that. But look, I guess if you're a non-essential worker, you're probably pretty happy to be getting a paycheck this week. Oh, sure. Right. I mean, the park rangers, the NASA experts, the zookeepers at the National Zoo, they're, they're all happy, at, at least for now. Yeah, you're uh, so down we'll in Houston. You, you probably know some NASA... Rocket. Oh, sure. Yeah, we, we all hang out. We you all, all hang, hang out, out right? Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see if we can avoid another shutdown scare in November. Yeah, round and round we go, right? We're, I guess at some point we just get used to this. Yeah. So then, you know, there, there's the view from being a constituent and then there's a view as an investor. So as an investor, how caught up do you get in these things? Well, you you frame that correctly. I mean, I I watch as a concerned spectator, 
and and maybe occasionally get out popcorn but i don't change my investment approach like as i said i i'm getting used to it at this point there's there's been enough of these things 21 21 shutdowns since the 1970s 21 times ferris bueller <laughs> reference um <laughs> nine times no that's a lot and um i mean the good news is like so you've had them the good news is they tend to not last very long. On average, if the government does shut down, it lasts uh, seven to eight days and and then we move on. Now, there, there may be some hit to the credibility of the U.S. government or the, the, the ability to run the U.S. government, but for the most part, markets look past it. Great. And the zookeepers get paid. Yeah, they get their uh, they get their back pay as they should. I, I I mean, hopefully the animals were being fed the whole time. Yes, I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so you mentioned earlier that you don't believe that the move in the treasury rates is related to this political turmoil, right? So so why is that? Yeah, I don't believe it is. I mean, like if you think about it, government spending is an input to GDP, and and the ten year rate is going to be a reflection of what growth is is likely to look like. And so, if you don't get a spending bill, you don't get spending. Then the G in the old GDP equation, C plus I plus G plus N X, um, the government spending slows. And and so, in actuality, it may be paradoxical, but I would actually think rates would have rallied if investors were so concerned about it. I mean, if investors were concerned about a component of US GDP not being an input to growth, um, I would have thought rates may have rallied. So this move, again, seems far more attributable to stronger than expected economic activity than political concerns. Okay, so so if I asked you about the uh, recent stock market volatility, a similar answer? Yeah, I think so. Um, political uncertainty doesn't help, but you know, it's part and parcel of the same thing you were just asking. I mean, if equities are going to adjust as rates go higher, then it goes back to why did rates go higher? And, you know, historically, markets have looked past shutdowns. If, you know, what would you guess the average return during shutdowns is the last 21 times we've done this? I, I couldn't guess. I, I would guess it's not great, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 0.1%. So you've had a oh, few up. Okay. You've, had a, you've had a few down. Um, a couple that were, you know, maybe down 3% or so, but but essentially flat. So essentially, okay. Well, markets must have uh, heard the quote, Americans always do the right thing, but only after exhausting all of their other options. Yeah, I guess, you know, you're my co-host on this. I think you've probably heard me say that a few times as well. Once or twice. Once or twice, right? Well, look, I mean, you know, what what number episode is this? Like our 50th episode? Something like that. Close to that. It, it sure yeah. feels like it. <laughs> I mean, you think I'm you think I'm still gonna have fresh material after all of these? <laughs> I no. have to go back to the tried and true. Go back to the classics. All yeah. right. Well, the last topic we promised to cover are strikes. Strikes, yeah. Well, at least the writer strike is over. I don't are you happy to see uh, the late night hosts back on uh, the air again? Yeah, yeah. So at least they have new material. Right. <laughs> Right, because none of them, yeah, none of them are. I, that's the, you just hit the problem. I don't need writers. Yeah. All right, all right. So the writers have a deal, but the auto workers don't. That strike continues, and what is it? Seventy-five thousand healthcare workers have just walked off the job at Kaiser Permanente, right? I mean, that's one of the United States' largest 
not-for-profit healthcare providers. So that's definitely a big deal. So again, how should investors put this into perspective? Well, look, I'll, I'll focus on the auto sector. The automobile sector is very cyclical. And so, I mean, the first thing you want to think about is growth. And, you know, obviously there will be a hit to economic growth at a time when I'm already telling you that the economy is is poised to slow. Now, right. ironically, uh, I think markets are sort of hoping that the economy slows here so we don't see additional moves in rates. Um, but it's estimated that the drop in motor vehicle production would be a, a 10 to two tenths percent drag on gross domestic product per week. So, hmm. you know, over an entire quarter, you could see one and a half to two percent drag on growth, which could result in a flat quarter. So it's not tiny, right? But it obviously depends on how long it goes on and is unexpected to be the the catalyst to to really um you know create a recessionary environment or something far more damaging to the economy. Okay, so so then our car price is going to drive up inflation at just the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question because new and used vehicles have been a source of deflation in recent months. Um, in fact, used car prices are negative on a year-over-year basis now, the percent change. Um, I think uh, the, the rental car companies have done a pretty good job uh, rebuilding their fleets. Now, whenever I go to an airport, I'm on the one that has the long line. There's 10 rental car companies there. I, I don't get that. But anyway, um, I digress. Now, if you do have a long-term hit to new production, you could, again, put upward pressure on vehicles. New cars haven't come down a lot. They've been slowly grinding lower. So that wouldn't be ideal, um, again, as the market tries to look forward to the end of, of Fed policy tightening. So there's some risks here. I don't want to overstate them, but there's some challenges we'll have to grapple with. Okay. Well, I guess the good news then is that much like government shutdowns, strikes have not typically lasted for, for too long. Yeah, I mean, that that's that's generally been the case. I mean, the United Auto Workers Union does have a finite strike fund. I think I had read that, um, you know, the strike fund, which is there to to pay workers right. and provided they strike. I, I think I've read that it could last 11, 12 weeks. So, you know, that's that flat quarter that we, we warn against. But you know, again, it, it goes more back to that inflation story. And and again, most domestic car manufacturers have rebuilt supply, used car companies have rebuilt their fleets. Um, so supply is increasing at a time when consumer demand is supposed to be slowing. We'll see. But um, I, I would expect any upside move on inflation to be relatively limited. All right. I'm I'm out of questions. I mean, we've, we've covered an awful lot here, Brian. Did I answer all of them? You did. We did. You did. I mean, I'm I'm trying not to be too Pollyanna, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm looking ahead to what I think will be a better environment. I mean, we're like 10-10 wins here. We, you know, for those New York radio listeners, you give us 22 minutes, we'll give you the world, right? I mean, that's that's what wow. we just did. I don't know if this was 22 minutes, but it felt about that. And I don't think it was the world either, at least the United States, but maybe we'll, <laughs> right, maybe right. we'll tackle the world in the next, in the next one. So. So, so you give us 20 something minutes, we'll give you the U.S. Yeah, that's a tagline that writes, it's, thank goodness those writers are back. So we can come <laughs> up with something a little better than that. All right. So that wraps up this episode of Greater Possibilities. Uh, Brian, where else can listeners find your views on the markets? Yeah, thanks, Jody. Visit Invesco.com slash Brian Levitt to read my latest commentaries. Uh, 
And of course, you can follow me on LinkedIn and on X. X. X at Brian Levitt. That's two T's. At Brian Levitt. All right. Thanks, Jody. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Invesco's Greater Possibilities podcast. The opinions expressed are those of the speakers and are based on current market conditions as of October 6, 2023, and are subject to change without notice. These opinions may differ from those of other Invesco investment professionals. Should this contain any forward-looking statements, understand they are not guarantees of future results. They involve risks, uncertainties, and assumptions. There can be no assurance that actual results will not differ materially from expectations. All investing involves risk, including risk of loss. This does not constitute a recommendation of any investment strategy or product for a particular investor. Investors should consult a financial professional before making any investment decisions. Not a deposit, not FDIC insured, not guaranteed by the bank, may lose value, not insured by any federal government agency. Data on the June 2022 inflation peak and 10-year rates come from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics as of August 31, 2023. Information on moves in real yields comes from Bloomberg as of October 6, 2023. Real yields are calculated by subtracting the 10-year inflation break-even from the 10-year U.S. Treasury rate. Break-even inflation is the difference in yield between a nominal Treasury security and a Treasury inflation-protected security of the same maturity. The 550 basis point rise is from the U.S. Federal Reserve as of September 30, 2023, and is based on the federal funds rate. The federal funds rate is the rate at which banks lend balances to each other overnight. A basis point is one one-hundredth of a percentage point. Statistics about the percentage of Americans with fixed-rate mortgages comes from Bankrate.com as of September 20, 2023. Information about rate increases and recessions in 1988, 1994, and 1999 are from Bloomberg, based on the 10-year Treasury rate. Projections about the federal funds rate are from Bloomberg as of August 31, 2023, based on Fed Funds Futures. Fed Fund Futures are financial contracts that represent the market's opinion of where the federal funds rate will be at a specific point in the future. Information on the frequency and duration of U.S. federal shutdowns is from the U.S. Department of the Treasury. Stock market returns during government shutdowns comes from Bloomberg based on the average return of the S&P 500 index during each shutdown. Past performance does not guarantee future results. An investment cannot be made into an index. Information on used car prices comes from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics as of September 30, 2023. Information on the strike fund for auto workers comes from the United Auto Workers Union. Estimates about the potential impact of the auto workers' strike on gross domestic product comes from the Bank of America. Gross domestic product is a broad indicator of a region's economic activity, measuring the monetary value of all the finished goods and services produced in that region over a specified period of time. The GDP formula is consumption plus investment plus government spending plus net exports. In other words, C plus I plus G plus NX. Tightening monetary policy includes actions by a central bank to curb inflation, such as rising rates. Over-tightening is the risk that a central bank harms the economy by raising rates too much. The Greater Possibilities Podcast is brought to you by Invesco Distributors, Inc.